0: Welcome to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Fergal Byrne. Every week, I talk to inspiring social entrepreneurs and changemakers dedicated to building a better world. Here, they tell their stories, the highs and the lows, and share what they have learned to help other social entrepreneurs and changemakers on their journeys. I'm very pleased today to welcome Harvey Coe to the podcast. Harvey is Managing Director of the social change consulting firm FSG, where he directs research and advocacy in the area of inclusive markets advancing thinking about inclusive business and market-based solutions in development with a global perspective. Harvey has many years' experience in strategy consulting, venture philanthropy and global development, and has worked across the housing, water and healthcare sectors in India, working closely with institutions such as the Michael and Susan Dell Foundation, Omajar Network and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Thank you very much, Harvey, for taking the time today to speak to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneurs podcast. Sure, happy a happy beer. Great, great. So can you tell me a little bit about your work and uh, your background? Uh,
1: So I lead uh, a team in Mumbai um, with FSG with a focus on what we call inclusive markets. Um, Historically, that's been around supporting entrepreneurs developing new models, new business models to certain benefit the poor um, in places like India. Uh, but also uh, parts of Africa, other parts of Asia. Um, Over time, that's transitioned to taking a more systemic approach uh, and we kind of moved essentially from building firms to building markets um, because we realized that actually uh, many of the barriers involved in actually achieving scale impact aren't really at the level of the firm. They're not only at the level of the firm, uh, but also uh, in the value chains around the firms, in the uh, public goods and policies and laws and regulations that affect those firms. Um, so that's really the, 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 the scope of what we do. Uh, we've done that in a number of sectors, including housing, uh, water, education, um, sanitation, and, and so on.
0: Great, great, and and inclusive. What does an inclusive market look like, or, or, or the opposite, indeed, Harvey?
1: That is a very good question. Um, we, uh, we we put out a report early this year, uh, shaping inclusive markets, that begins with a discussion uh, precisely around that. And um, actually, we, we borrowed a framework. Um, that was developed by the Rockefeller Foundation, um, which lists, you know, five characteristics of, of an inclusive market. Um, you know, they're, they're growing in terms of resources. They are participatory in terms of everyone being able to have access to those markets, regardless of their background or their identity or, or, or social group. Um, they're equitable. So those uh, all of those people are able to make a better life for themselves, uh, regardless of their background. Um, they are stable in the sense that the households are, are are resilient to to shocks, um, and also they're sustainable. You know where there's uh, there's an element of intergenerational equity. We're not robbing future generations to pay for uh, pay for today. Um, and so, you know, we've kind of used that lens, you know, but kind of multidimensional lens to think about inclusion, um, which I think for a lot of people should to touch on the, the concept of, of equity. You know, it's a more equitable uh, market situation that we find ourselves in. Um, now, every time I use the framework, I, I say, you know, we're not saying that everyone should, must sign up, you know, to all five characteristics the way that we've described them or the, the foundation to described them. Um, but probably, you know, in some of that uh, are elements that people find uh, resonate with them. Um, And so the the key thing I always want to leave with people is the multidimensionality of it. You know, that it's not just about growth without, you know, participation or or equity. You know, it's probably some combination of those things. And it's probably also some element of, of intergenerational uh, equity and sustainability, because without those things, we're you know also dooming you know I mean, doing our children you know um, to 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 make sure that we have a good life today. So I think all those aspects play into it.
0: Great, and and um, you, you're talking about the work you're doing in India, and you're talking about uh, social impact more generally. What about the markets as we know them in the West? You know, to what extent are markets as we know them inclusive?
1: Uh, that's a very good question. It's not been the main focus of our work, uh, although for this most recent report, uh, shaping inclusive markets, we did also look at uh, markets in uh, North America, for instance, uh, and looked at financial markets in North America and how that's changed over time. The concern is a universal one. You know, I think the question that is, you know, increasingly being asked today about how markets work and who they work for you know, is, is a common concern uh, running through the developed and the developing world. Uh, and I would say that the, the insights that we've developed now with this work apply equally across all of them, even though, obviously, the particulars of those markets and the ways in which they work are obviously very different um, between, say, you know, the, the US and India or you know, parts, of, parts of sub-Saharan Africa where we also work.
0: Yes 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 that's interesting. Now uh, another big question right to all the big questions at the beginning Harvey. why focus on markets? I guess once upon a time um, inclusiveness the driving inclusiveness and assuring some kind of quality of inclusiveness mm-hmm. within an economy we've seen the role of the, of the government um, mm-hmm. wh- wh- why focus on markets and what wh- what in particular do you think uh, wh- where do you think markets are appropriate particularly?
1: I think markets are relevant because we're all already engaged in them. Um, I mean, to go back to our founding in India, uh, we realised that you know the poor didn't have a choice about whether they were going to participate in markets or not. You know, they're already participating in markets for their livelihoods. They're already participating in markets for healthcare uh, because you know largely it's private. They're already participating in markets for education. Um, for transport, you know, so they're already in the markets. The question is, you know, how well are they doing you know, in those markets? And generally, they're not doing very well. Um, so the question is, how do you make those markets work better? And you could, you know, you could extend that to to other countries as well. You could ask those same questions. Um, so I don't think it's it's a question of whether we should. You know um, engage uh, the population in markets already engaged in the question how do they work now I think we're also moving to a view that says it's not sufficient to say um, we shall let markets do what they do even if it, if that's not inclusive and not and, and harmful and predatory whilst um, you know government services and philanthropy and, and charity uh, pick up the pieces. You know, I think we're moving away from that and saying, actually, you know, what would be ideal is for the markets to actually work better and in a more inclusive and equitable way. So actually, there's there's fewer pieces to pick up.
0: Yes. Are you optimistic? Because this is a, a question you do see growth in markets and the, um, in, 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 in areas where they, we're not used to having markets in parts of the world where we're not used to having markets. And I guess that question is one that hovers over this, this whole thing is who's benefiting from these markets? And I suppose underlying what you're saying is if you can make markets work better then uh, you know you can square the circle and get the benefits of, of, of a market and and, and get some uh, the the qualities of inclusiveness as well yes
1: yes i mean optimism uh, yes <laughs> but, uh, but 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 a qualified one i would say um, obviously there are many challenges in the way um, you know the the trends that we see today are towards growing inequity um And the case studies that we covered in the report are striking because of how they managed to buck the trend um, and actually move towards much greater inclusion and and equity. So it is possible is, is I think, what we have come to to see. Um, And I think there are ways in which we – and by which I mean – Certainly, kind of funders and intermediaries, uh, also you know governments and other sorts of facilitators, uh, could help to facilitate those kinds of, of progressions. Um, I also think that the growing level of discontent, um, you know, which I think maybe we see most clearly in in the developed economies, you know, in the last ten years. Um, is something that actually you know is being channeled to all sorts of systemic change that we can see uh, in the US, in the UK, um, but I think that could also be channeled towards more productive, you know, towards other sorts of productive change um, in the way that markets work, and I think that that. Uh, gives me some cause for optimism
0: Yes and I guess final question connected to that I guess the role of government did your research suggest anything interesting there because there tends to be um, well I mean there was once upon a time they seemed quite separate but then now there are ways in which governments can help um, markets evolve and and play a role without it being mm-hmm. you know, one extreme or the other
1: <laughs> Yes absolutely um, so we looked for cases Where, you know, very simply, um, we, you know, where markets had made transformational shifts towards greater inclusion and equity. Um, We didn't specifically go looking for cases where governments had, um, you know, created regulations or or policies to favor particular uh, inclusive industries. We didn't look for, um, you know, cases with political upheaval we didn't look for cases with you know huge social movements or independence movements but we found all of those things um (laughs) we we did not just find stories of um you know pure market forces pure business model and technology innovation um you know growing to huge scale having population level shifts um, without those other changes, so uh, in in the report we talk about the the importance of changing market rules, yes, as well as the changing of uh, business models, uh, practices, and, and behaviors. Uh, and of course, the state you know is is a huge uh, force in, in shaping those market rules. Um, but I think when we you know if we step back from this, you know, we also realize that actually um, you know if we ever did have the perception that the state was not active in shaping market rules, then, you know, we were uh, we were misled, you know, because <laughs> actually um, the rules, you know, it, most of the markets, you know, that we engage in, uh, if they're well functioning, you know, have some element of regulation uh, in, in them. Um, it's often the state, sometimes the self Regulating, uh, sometimes there are also uh, societal norms, and so you know that that kind of play into the way markets function. Those can change over time. Um, so, in fact, there is no such thing, you know, um, in in the the history of of economies as market economists know them, as 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 a free market. And there are rules. Uh, the question is, what do those rules favor? Who do they favor? And what kinds of behaviors do they incentivize?
0: Yes, yes. And what would you say are a few lessons from the report? What would you say are a few things that, that were surprising, maybe that went in the face of what people had thought before or at least in, engaged your interest uh, and, and surprise? Yeah,
1: I'd say probably uh, three things. Um, I feel like every time I do this, I, I pick out three different things uh, <laughs> because there's, there's, a, there's a lot in the report. I mean, the first is obviously... Um, the primacy of changes to, to market rules and and therefore, you know, how, how do we really engage with that process? Um, and the kinds of innovators and leaders and institutions that engage in that are a little different from the ones that we've historically engaged with uh, in our inclusive markets work because we tend to deal with, you know, business leaders and entrepreneurs. Um, but actually when you start looking at these processes, you start thinking about, well, leaders of social movements um you know academics who are kind of putting out new ideas and changing um you know kind of paradigms in people's minds um meet the media you know who are kind of raising awareness of certain issues um you know um grassroots uh movements community development you know it's mobilizing and and, and uh, collectivizing uh marginalized groups so it's it's a bunch of different processes now and different people uh in them that i think um are kind of rising to the fore for us and and raising questions about how we look for these sorts of uh this this kind of potential and these kinds of leaders and how do we work with them and, and support them in these processes that's that's one um i think the second thing would be maybe the way that we're engaging with systems themselves um, which is probably a more dynamic way than we have in the past. You know, I think a lot of our narrative about systems, you know, in, in the in the popular conversation about systems tends to see systems as, as quite static. You know, they're kind of waiting there. You know, we are going to go change a system, you know, it's just sitting there waiting for us to do something to it. And actually when you look at systems, you know, these market systems that that uh, we've studied, I mean you notice that they they're changing all the time. Yeah, they're actually yes. moving around all the time and evolving, and what you're doing is actually joining it. You know, on part of its journey. Um, our colleague Ashvin at the Rockefeller Foundation, you know, famously said during the project, you know, the mistake we often fall into is believing that day one of our program is the first day of change for everyone else in the system which is, of course, not true. So how do we respond to that, to that reality? Um, the third thing I would say, and maybe this is kind of coming back to um, the firm, is that particularly when it comes to thinking about equitable livelihoods uh, for poor and marginalized groups, things like ownership and control uh, matter. So it's striking that in all four cases where we saw um, big gains in inequitable uh, livelihoods uh, for the poor and marginalised. We, uh, we saw, you know, structures that were really about, you know, producer ownership, smallholder ownership, either through co-ops or producer companies or community-owned companies, uh, and we don't think that's coincidental. You know, I think where... These groups actually own the assets, you know, the enterprises that uh, that are working and they're supplying to, that's creating the value. They're of course going to get more value, you know, from from being engaged in those activities than if they were just employed as as labour, you know, and and if the profits were all taken by you know, the, the uh, and other, other outside investors or, or the capital markets. Um, so I think that's raised questions for us, and certainly for me, uh, in terms of that other side of companies. You know, historically, we looked at business models. You know, how do you do business? How do you serve your customers? How do you organize your activities? Um, we didn't really ask tough questions about, well, who owns you, you, you know, how how you be governed, what are the incentives, you know, that you work under, because that's going to determine how you how you behave as a business. Um, yes, and yes. I think we're now kind of asking more of those questions. We're starting to push, push the envelope a little bit more in terms of thinking about, well, you know, if we do set something up, so we're working on a project at the moment where um, private investment is being solicited to develop a, a particular um a region that that's poor, uh, and in the past, I think we might have assumed that you know we just said, "Well, come in, you know, set up your thing in the normal way, and just employ people and create jobs. That's fine." Uh, I think now we're saying, actually, well, why don't we give these people a share of ownership of this thing that's being created, and and also uh, incentive, uh, require, or incentivize things like actually upskilling them and training them up. You know, to to take on managerial roles and leadership roles in time, you know, within this organization. How do we really empower the community, you know, within this business context rather than just saying, oh, you know, it's a business that's doing some good and creating some good jobs. That's good enough. You know, how do we go further?
0: That's fascinating. I think the role of the grassroots organisations and the and the you know local ownership is is just uh, very very important. And it's interesting that you found that. Um, How's the financing going? Are are uh, providers of finance willing to do that? Are they open to doing that? Supporting organisations that have those kind of structures.
1: It's it's we shall find out um, I mean obviously there, there are organizations that are willing to do that the, the question will be how many and um, you know whether any this fits with what uh, what they're planning to do um, but I do think there is a, a growing um,
0: sort of appreciation of the importance of this yes. Um, yes. And, and and I think that the related concepts uh,
1: such as steward ownership, for instance, you know, the, the idea that actually, um, you know, our whole conception of control of corporations being a sort of tradable thing, yes. you know, you can buy and sell, just buy and sell control of the company rather than having kind of stable, you know, long termist Yes. Um, sustainable control of the company <laughs> and maybe tradable dividend rights you know is is um you know that seems like a more sensible way to do things potentially so there is a growing conversation i think around that uh, i think most recently in the news because kickstarter announced that they were going to convert uh, into being a steward owned uh company and you know were in quite advanced Mm. talks with their investors about, you know, kind of converting to that, you know, which would involve quite big changes, you know, for their investors. Um, But apparently they, they were making some progress. So I do think we are starting to see, you know, um, greater interest in pursuing these things.
0: Yes, and I, I guess in the in the in in, in America and in in, in Europe, and there, there's a lot of talk now about the, some of these technology platforms and who the ultimate beneficiaries are of the, you know, financial beneficiaries who you know who contributes the value and who receives the value, and these kind of steward ownership models clearly. Um, would, would help deal with, with some of those questions. So it's interesting to see the growth um, uh, or, or the interest, shall we say, uh, even if it's that at this stage, in these kind of models. Um, on the other hand, uh, what can go wrong? I'm interested just on the, finally on that grassroots, you know, what we're talking about, getting them more involved. Um, maybe it's something you haven't had to, to focus on. Uh, are there one or two things that need to happen to make that work? Um, lots of
1: things need to happen.
0: Um, I mean, is it a very different, I mean, uh, model in the sense? On the one hand, you'd say, well, there are stewards, you know, uh, the stewardship model of the corporation. There are uh, stakeholders in a sense. They're included as stakeholders. Now, where that becomes the line between being a stakeholder and being an owner and, in a sense, you know, operationally, um should that be that, that much more challenging to make work I mean uh, uh, I'd be interested in your thoughts around that
1: um, it can be um, I don't know that it's it's um, particularly more difficult than other ways of organizing um, it certainly brings different you know different challenges and different risks um, I mean if you, look at say the history of the uh, you know of say co-ops you know yes. and, and that whole movement yes. um certainly there have been you know failures as well as as successes yes. um and a lot of the failures come um due to things like political interference uh they come from things like um, poor management mm-hmm. um because uh, you know, it can be difficult to kind of maintain that sort of uh, um, a, a good tension between you know, kind of professional management and kind of you know, beneficial ownership by by the community or by by stakeholders. Um, but it can be achieved, um, and you know, I think in, in in the report we talk about some examples of where that's been achieved either through co op structures or producer companies. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it still comes down to, you know, strong leadership, good leadership, you know, good management, you know, and, and you, someone's got to run the business, you know, um, but those things aren't uh, any different from the ways in which we understand them um today
0: um, we're just changing the way in which the whole thing is, is governed and, and the incentives that the business works towards yes and and, and it's interesting because it's not something I've come across very much really in, in terms of the social entrepreneurs I've interviewed in terms of thinking about that or, or, or looking at models like that um, do you think that that's changing not
1: yet not no. yet I, and I think it 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 should yes um, I I do worry that, you know, we are not sufficiently – we're not being sufficiently imaginative in conceiving of the future. You know, I think there is a tendency to say, well, we shall do this – you know, we'll kind of do all these things in the same way, (laughs) you know, but just, you know, um, create this new product, which is, you know, which is better, you know, but then we'll run everything in the same way uh, under the same structures and and somehow we think this will change, you know, the, the way that economies work and, and produce inclusion, um, which doesn't make sense to me. You know, I, I think if we keep doing things the same way uh, with the same incentives and the same structures, we'll probably get more or less the same outcomes.
0: Um, That's right. To yes. see yes. Yes.
1: really, you know, kind of larger shifts, we probably need to re-examine some of the ways in which we do things which involved questioning some of our assumptions you know yes. i think that's what's really interesting about say the, the student ownership conversation it's just questioning some of the assumptions about what a corporation is yes and who it serves and you know what value how value is defined in in a corporation and also we realize that actually what we think of as sort of immutable traits of a corporation you know to For instance, the the objective of, you know, delivering, maximizing returns for shareholders is a very modern concept, you know, of probably the last 150 years, if not the last 100 years. Um, And before that, the corporations have long and illustrious history as something that's essentially created with a purpose, you know, to do something, you know, uh, from Roman times. Um, And and we seem to have lost that, but somehow, you know, the, the, the primacy of the shareholder return has kind of just gone to the right to the top, and, and we almost believe it's got this timeless truth to it. And actually, there's nothing timeless about it um yes yes we, yes we can question it just as yes. we can question everything else
0: yes and 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 there is a growing voice i think uh, now uh, questions about about this this idea that it's uh, we say immutable on the one hand but also that it's got a legal and necessary got a legal framework and i think some uh, economists and uh, lawyers in america now are, are, are raising this question you know of the the the, the primacy of the, this fiduciary you know maximizing mm-hmm. returns and i think there's some questions uh Uh, Certainly in in, in research, whether or not that's translating into the Supreme Court of Delaware um, or not is another question. And there does seem to be an interesting unfolding debate there. Um, I think. Um, now, you mentioned, and I know you talk about market system innovations in the report. I'm just wondering, uh, what are one or two of the characteristics of environments which give root to uh, more innovative environments for uh, these kinds of models to be tried out for, you know, sounds like that uh, you, you found some interesting uh, cases where they, they have successfully you know uh, they've succeeded with some of these new uh, structures Uh, clearly they're the ones that have succeeded many fail along the way and that's part of the I guess the whole process of innovation did you get a sense of some of the characteristics presumably that's something you would want within a system is something that would allow for innovation and allow for different kinds of models to emerge yes and
1: and because the, the innovations are so diverse um, it's very difficult to, uh, you know, yes. to have a sort of one cookbook for yes. for the innovations because they span everything from you know business technology through to um, you know political mobilization uh, and you know new ideas and academia and all of that stuff. Um, so it's 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 very diverse. Um, I would say that um, obviously a you know that. Th- it all hinges on the individuals, you know, who are innovating and who are providing leadership. And so, investment in um, leadership talent in these different fields that have the potential to, um, you know, to lead um, uh, efforts to mobilise, to collectivise these social movements, to, to lead companies. Uh, I mean, I think we're used to the idea of kind of backing people who can build and lead companies. <laughs> we're just not used to kind of identifying and supporting those other kinds of leaders um, in, in the pursuit of, of market change. And that's the thing that we need to, to look at. Um, I would also say, obviously, that there is a, a base level of functioning that we have assumed for the market system innovation work. Um, so we're probably not, uh, you know, certainly for our work, we've not looked at uh, fragile states uh, for instance, um, you know, we're assuming that actually there, there's kind of, you know, basic uh, level of functioning in the economy, you know, there is uh, in largely, you know, the rule of law, um, there's some sort of functioning civil society in place, um, you know, uh, it's not kind of, you know, yes. torn by, uh, you know, rife with conflict and so on. So, so I think there's kind of a basic level of functioning. Um, I think beyond that, you know, uh, there's a huge variety of different situations yes, that, that this yes. can work in, and that's in evidence in uh, in in the report. You know, we have case studies ranging from, you know, coffee in Colombia that started in the 1920s, uh, you know, Kenya tea that started in the 50s, uh, you know, Manila water uh, starting in the uh, in the 80s. So, it's um, it's a very diverse set of uh, situations, and you know, it's hard to see. Uh, you know distinct commonalities yes. you know, that go across those situations.
0: Yes, well, it sounds like you're covering a lot of territory already, that's maybe another set of questions that emerge once you found some interesting you know, findings which clearly you have um, and some interesting models. I, I don't know to what extent um, and this may be a, a too general a question, but you talk about these five characteristics of inclusive economies are there trade-offs there? I mean clearly sustainability is something that maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago we wouldn't have thought about so much and um, I'm just wondering whether you noticed any interesting, shall we say, trade-offs between any one of those variables, you know, that some markets might be better at, you know, having a participant, an equitable ele- element, but they may have had to trade off on-, on another element or it may be difficult to say. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: a good question. I don't know that we have an answer to that yet. Yeah. Um... The Rockefeller Foundation actually has commissioned some other research um, that uh, might provide some findings on that. So I, I think there is some research that Brookings is doing um, looking at data sets around the fire characteristics across uh, a range of municipalities in the US, I think, right. um, to try to see how, you know. Um, if not to really see trade-offs, then at least to understand how movements between uh, the different characteristics um, play out. You know, are they correlated with each other? You know, they yes. do they move together? Uh, do they move against each other? Um, and I think we're starting to get um, some sense uh, for that, but probably more research would have to be done to um, to, to really see if there is a trade-off. Um, I, I think what we've said, though, is that um, you know, if, there, if there are trade-offs to be made, um, then it, that makes having this sort of multidimensional framework in mind even more important, yes. um, because you know we should be aware You know, if there are trade-offs that are being made, if we know that we're, we're not going to look at one of these things, or we can't do anything about one of these things, um, or we might even potentially kind of you know cause some risks around one of these aspects by working on the others yes we should be aware of that yeah um and, and then you know maybe be more intentional about whether we can do anything about it uh, or not
0: yes yes now I, I want to move on uh coming to the end now uh thank you harvey it's fascinating i, I and i'd like to talk a little bit about maybe if there are any lessons at the firm level but just before that i'm just wondering whether or not you have any insights into the sustainability dimension it's something i'm Particularly interested in, as I say, it's something that's more recent and um, yet uh, a terribly important and tremendous momentum momentum in, in terms of sustainability in 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 the developed world. Um, I, I don't know whether there was anything that uh, you, you you thought interesting about the sustainability element in these different markets that you you, you looked at. Uh,
1: I don't know that it it um, was handled particularly differently from the others except that in quite a number of cases um it it wasn't something that progressed so i think you're right to say it's something that um maybe it's been emerging more recently yes um so yes. many of these cases if you look at you know their, their early progression it was all on all the other ones apart from sustainability. Yes. Um, yes. it's really um, been, you know, so for instance, if you look at um, Kenya Tea or, or, or Columbia Coffee, um, sustainability has really come to the fore in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. Um, and that's kind of been linked to the rise of ethical consumerism.
0: Yes. Um, and campaigns and certification schemes and how those have you know
1: kind of fed back into those markets to um, to to address the sustainability point. Yes. So yes. Yes. I, I think that's now um, that's now kind of on on the rise. Um, and I think the other maybe general point, but certainly relates to sustainability, is um, it comes back to. You know, how, how market systems work um, what's what's really interesting is that it's it's rare that actually one actor in the market system um uh, you know, has a mandate to optimize for all five characteristics of inclusion. Yes. Um, that's interesting. So yes. What you yes. see is this yeah. this web of forces that yes. kind of, you know, together kind of advance the, the characteristics. So, you know, yes. you might have the producer co-op that's really thinking much more about uh, growth and yes. participation and equity, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. and then you actually have consumer, Campaigns and certification
0: schemes are really pushing sustainability, but together, yes. you know, they, they, they make progress. That's very interesting to see it kind of emerging. And the sustainability, as you say, would probably just, well, I guess two things. One is it just might be stage, stage specific. It might be, you know, at a later stage in an organization's development by its nature. You know, um, and, also that, well be. and also that the state of development of some of these, so some markets is such that you know, sustainability hasn't been, uh, uh, you know, on the radar and therefore, you know, it, it would be slightly lagging. But that's interesting, interesting. The, to,
1: the, the other one is st- stability. Yes. Which, you know, uh, I'm not sure is the best way of describing. Describing it, I, I tend to describe it more as resilience yes, um, yes, at the household yes, level. Yes, you know, yes. reduced vulnerability to, to shocks. Yes, um, which I think also you know uh, might come in in the late stages of of things. Although does there's certainly no harm thinking about it uh, from from the outset. Yes, um, yes. But for instance, with Kenya tea, you know, there's now it's been such a huge success you know, that you've got a growing risk from monoculture you know, where people only have tea um, and not other crops and not other activities, which then creates uh, a dependence and a risk you know, yes. to yes. Uh, climate shocks or uh, disease um, shocks. And, and so you know, thinking about ways that we could m- start to mitigate some of those risks I think would be important, and that tends to come a bit later on.
0: Yes, it's an interesting question, isn't it? As we see the corporation, well, reconceiving the role of the corporation and the importance of profits, But if you're thinking about a growing uh, enterprise, you know, uh, to what extent can you... Uh, incorporate all of these objectives at the beginning or do you have, need to recognize well you know it, it's like uh no point of fighting over the pie if there's no pie in a sense if there's no you know uh, nothing that's there in the first place no valid you know product or need in the market as it were um i guess a uh, uh, very rich area for further discussions absolutely uh, yes now just at the lesson of the firm uh and its social entrepreneurs and i certainly have noticed uh uh, over time social entrepreneurs as their organizations grow them becoming more uh, involved and more concerned and more active in the whole question of systems change and it's become a more p- part of their lives I-, I don't know whether you have any insights as to advice for social entrepreneurs or ways of thinking about that that's that, that side of things
1: I think they. Uh, it depends on, on, on certainly what they're doing. Um, I think if they're working uh, on on livelihoods, in particular, that you know there is some question about ownership and control, and and who really has that, um, which might inform the way in which they you know, share ownership and control with local communities. Um, I think it might also raise questions. Uh, about the kinds of investors that they bring into the business uh, and how they organize those relationships with investors. I, I think it should raise questions about, um, you know, whether they, they do see this kind of, you know, their business uh, being suitable for um, kind of mainstream capital, you know, mainstream capital markets. Um, I think those are questions that maybe we haven't asked enough you know, historically, I think we certainly when we started our work, we assumed that that should be the final destination for all these impact enterprises was to kind of, you know, graduate to the global capital markets. Um, I'm not entirely sure that works for, you know, for all the models that that we're looking at. Um, And I'd love to see more, uh, more alternatives. But certainly, I think being, you know, intentional about which investors you bring in and how you think about ownership control and governance. Um, is is important Um, the other side of it which is kind of much more about how entrepreneurs uh, play in in the markets themselves uh, would be to come back to this point about market rules Um, so one of the things that we saw very strikingly in the case studies was the presence of leaders within the businesses who could navigate both the business and political spheres of change um, and were able to, kind of, you know, look from one to exploit opportunities in the other, um, through things, you know, through things like kind of uh, changing, you know, influencing changes in market rules, um, that would uh, certainly benefit their business, but also uh, trigger, you know, larger. Um, market, market changes. Um, and that's a you know, particular sort of orientation and skill set. Um, I don't know that that is a, a, a common thing. Um, and I don't think that's something that we either look for in business leaders or try to cultivate uh, in them uh, thus far. Yes um, but it 's certainly a theme that comes up in the cases
0: yes, I did say that was the last question. I have one other that 's just emerged, and it was at the back of my mind but um i 'm wondering to what extent um your uh, uh, views on scaling have changed um as a result of this and I, it's a it 's a recurring uh question isn 't it really about getting uh scaling impact um to what extent do you did did your research and the, the conversations you had? Uh, think how you change how you think about scaling it
1: has changed our view i think uh we still think it's important and the you know it, it, in our research that the cases show that actually you know growth uh, in many cases was was you know, championed by a uh an organization that scaled um and so that's always part of the story, and that hasn't changed. the The thing that is new, perhaps, is what happens beyond that scaling organisation, um, because when we see, you know, truly kind of systemic market change. Um, the benefits of that change, uh, and even the, the, the prevailing norms and expectations in the market, have changed, uh, such that it's actually impacting people who don't deal with that, you know, scaled organisation, but might to deal with other companies. So, um, what we see in, you know, Gujarat Dairy or or Kenya Tea, um, is that, you know, beyond the original kind of champion enterprises, other players, private players, new entrants coming in. Um, have to kind of play by the the rules that have been set by the by the dominant player and so um, you know it's it's a story of i mean you could call it
0: diffusion i suppose yeah
1: um as as much as it is one about scaling
0: yes very interesting what next for you harvey and the research that you're doing and and fst more generally
1: Um, so on 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 this front, we're certainly um, now looking for ways to help people apply it to the work that they're doing. Um, So uh, partners who are uh, engaging in inclusive markets initiatives in different parts of the world, uh, we're starting to work with some of those partners now uh, to apply some of this thinking uh, to their work. Um, More broadly at FSG, um, I, I think we're all finding... Uh, you know, a, a kind of common thread running through our work around systems change more broadly. Um, so not all of it is about market systems change. Uh, a lot of our uh, work, particularly in the US, is uh, around you know, changing how uh, the social sector works um you know uh, through our collective impact work um so i think systems change probably is the thing (laughs) that's running through all of it um but on my side thinking much you know uh, much more specifically in terms of the economic systems and and market systems
0: well fantastic and i wish you the very best of success with this important work and thank you so much for sharing this um really important research and uh all your ideas and experience it's been great to talk to you thank you Thank you for listening to the Inspiring Social Entrepreneur podcast. I hope you found this interview inspiring. Please make sure to visit www.inspiringsocialentrepreneurs.com and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any future podcasts.